everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 64. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Rootless Living magazine. If you haven't already for some reason, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while also still working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Todd and Marsha, and we get to talk about what it's like figuring out that really the most important thing is following your passion. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Todd and Marsha. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So a lot of people will assume that I do a lot of prep into these calls. There are times where I get the opportunity to do no prep, and I actually think it makes a better podcast. But it is funny that people will be like, oh, you seem to know so much about your guests. I know nothing about you. I didn't even know, really know how to pronounce Marsha's name, and I wanted to make sure even that. So that I'm excited about. So right off the bat, uh, where are you guys right now? We're in Fredericksburg, Texas right now. Nice. So I think that's like only like two and a half hours from where I am in Magnolia Beach. Um, sometimes though in Texas, people say, hey, I'm in Texas too, and it's like eight hours. So that's not that yep. terrible. And do you guys consider yourselves full-timers, part-timers, sometimers? Uh, full-timers, we consider ourselves full-timers, but we do go back to Wisconsin. Uh, we were there for two months, and we're planning to go back there a couple months in summer. So and that's home for us is Wisconsin. So uh, I would say full time, but yet we still go home base. So, you know, I don't think I've ever clarified on the show that I, I hate boxes. I hate putting people in boxes. I ask it cause people just like to know, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's actually like where there's a certain percentage that you're not full time. If you know what I mean? Like I just, mm-hmm. if you can get up wheels up and go at any time, you're pretty much full time. You know what I mean? And right. it's weird that yep. I asked the yep. question because I don't believe in boxes really, but I think it's important for people to understand. So I, I love the hybrid aspect of this life too. And then uh, kind of going home when it's time to go home and hang out at the homestead. I enjoy that. Well, we'll definitely get into that. When mm-hmm. did this lifestyle start for you guys? When did you guys go full time? Uh, we moved into our trailer June of 2020. Wow, what an interesting time to kind of go full time in an RV oh, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Way to go! Way to way to pick a perfect window. Almost as good as me picking a time to launch a magazine. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back. You know, I mean, we're not even a year, which is great. I think you know, a lot of times I really enjoy talking to people that are new to the space. Uh, let's go back to when the idea of getting a trailer and spending at least a good portion of time on the road. When did that hit you guys? And you know. And then I want to talk about what your life looked like before that. So when did the idea hit you? <laughs> um, well, I guess at the time, a good friend of mine was living tiny with her family and they were stationary in New Mexico. And I just love seeing how they were just placed on top of each other and just full-time family. And at the time, I really liked that. And I kept showing pictures to Todd being like, hey, look at this. Like, maybe we could do this. And it wasn't a easy um, share with Todd at the time. So it was probably about four, well, no, probably three years ago. Yeah, that, two years before we decided ourselves to do it. Yeah. And where were you guys living at the time? Wisconsin? Yep. We owned a house in Wisconsin. I, I always like to ask, how big of a house did you own in Wisconsin or still own? Uh, yeah, we don't own it anymore. We own it for five years. It was pretty small. Um, it was like not even 1,200 square feet. 
Um, but it was a starter home. It was older, almost, it was over a hundred years old. Um, and we just wanted to get our first house and fix it up. Cause I like to do, um, carpentry work and we just want to remodel and have fun. Um, which we did and it was, it was a blast, but then we kind of got done with it and we're like, you know, we don't want to stay here. So <laughs> uh, we started making plans to the next, you know, this chapter. So it all kind of fell into place. What are you guys traveling in currently and what's the square footage of it? Uh, we have a 21-2 RB travel trailer, and I don't know the square footage. Well, I mean, it's about 8 by yeah, 22, so what is there that comes to? I never put the actual square footage. Well, 10 it's, times, it's 10 times 22 <laughs> is 220, so we can round it yeah. down from there kind of a thing. But going from 1,200, which you said, your own words, mm-hmm. was a kind of a small home, and to now go to in and around 200 square feet, what was like? What was that transition like for you guys? I think the biggest thing is the amount of stuff that we had um and got rid of uh we we donated so much uh four truckloads of stuff to like goodwill and all that so um and then just sold a bunch of other stuff i think that was our biggest thing i mean space definitely is one thing but for us what hit it was the amount of stuff we had um and us being very creative i always collected things to always build stuff with and just have things at hand which made sense but it kind of got out of hand to a point. So it was very nice to let go of a lot of those things and let other people use them. Um, so it was, uh, that was the biggest thing for us. Um, space wise, we knew this was going to be temporary or at least we still think it's going to be temporary. We don't know, but, um, it was just a, a matter of going from a lot of stuff and a bigger space and a big yard at that house to, um, small space, small trailer, minimal things but you have you know the whole country basically open road so it was um, just a different way of looking at it now i didn't really actually own a lot of tools when i left um i just got done doing a pretty you know i mean we gutted the entire rv and rebuilt it kind of from the ground Hmm. up inside and obviously i acquired a bunch of tools in the process and i'm keeping them from now until i can figure out you know if i end up with a shop or something how hard was that for you to kind of give up the stuff that maybe you even thought you would need on the road, was that pretty tough to do or easy to do? Uh, most of it was pretty, uh, there's several things I, I couldn't let go of. Yeah. Certain, uh, tools and things, uh, for carpentry. I just, uh, a few of the things, saws and stuff, uh, I, I want to get better ones in the future anyway. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to use it the next couple of years. Um, I'll borrow uh, my dad's when I'm home or whatever. Um, I think, uh, me being an artist too was also tough um, because there's a lot of things that I spent good money on that it was hard to let go of. So, it was, um, but it was it was nice in a way too because it was like uh, I'll I'll get it again when I need it if I need it. Um, so, yeah, I think this was the first time I'd ever purchased tools knowing that when I was done with the project I was just going to give them away. And it was actually a lot cheaper than yeah. renting it kind of a thing. Marsha, how about you? How was the transition going from 1,200 square feet to 200 square feet and just those kind of getting rid of the stuff? Yeah, so I guess for me, too, it was the amount of stuff that we had um, and just realizing how much stuff we had that had no value as well. Um, when we were moving out, we would just sit there and look at just how much stuff we had and we felt like we had so much stuff. 
So before we got into the RV, we actually downsized four times from our house. We downsized after watching the movie Minimalism. We downsized while living in our house. We downsized when we left our house. Downsized when we got our rental house before moving into the trailer. And then again, when we moved into the trailer. And I think each time I always felt like we had so much stuff. And that was after downsizing four times. And even just looking around right now, our trailer is completely packed because my office is set up, Todd's easel set up, and it's like we have so much stuff. But I think now it's the appreciation of the stuff that when you have it, you appreciate it so much more. And it's you have something for a reason, not just have something to create a pile somewhere that you never look at again. Because <laughs> we definitely had lots of those piles. I mean, it is weird that I have found those moments, especially when we went through, you know, removing everything from the rig, there was still those moments like, oh, I didn't know I brought this or I didn't know I had this with me. And, and that kind of shocked me in this lifestyle because maybe listeners don't know, it's not just about less stuff. You have to take weight into consideration too. So you start really thinking about, you know, can I bring this item that's heavy? And it was funny for me to find things that were actually heavy that just hadn't been used in the three years kind of on the road which makes it really easy to get rid of. But it's funny. I just never thought I'd run into that in this lifestyle because I went through a lot of the downsizing processes that you guys do. Now, when it comes yeah, to... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, even we, over the, over the Christmas, we had our trailer in for some service and we took clothes home that we weren't wearing. And when we brought those clothes home, we're like, wow, that weighs a lot. And it was like two garbage bags of clothes. And still, we feel like we have a lot of clothes. So even just thinking about how much your clothes weighs, like it, you, you think about things differently, like you said, with the weight. But we were kind of shocked of how much we took home in that truckload and realizing how much weight we removed from the trailer. And we still feel like we got a lot in here. No doubt. What is your, I mean, again, I know a lot of it has been in and around a pandemic. So I totally understand that. But what has been your kind of travel mode? Like how often you stay in a place? How much of you traveling have you guys been able to do? Give me kind of some background what's been happening since June. Uh, so we moved in in June, but we stayed at uh, Marcia's parents' house in their driveway for the summer, uh, which is really good actually for us to get used to the trailer, to learn the ins and outs of it, what we needed in there, um, you know, how everything worked. And then be in one spot and not driving all over the place. So for that, it was almost three months. We were um, stationary right at her parents. Um, so that was, that was great. And then September we left and went out to, uh, out East and um, it was pretty much about a month in uh, each spot is what we tried to do um, to us. That was the best of all kind of worlds. We're not traveling every other day, um, but it came down to about every two to three weeks um, where we're moving about here and there. So, yes, yeah, so we went from Vermont in September all the way down to Georgia by November. And then we went from November to December to Louisiana and back home. So we did a full East Coast trip kind of going from campgrounds to farms and everything, but we were able to go from Vermont to Georgia to Louisiana and back home. It sounds like a good first kind of outing. I am surprised there aren't more people that spend some time getting used to their rig before they hit the road. I'm, I'm always amazed when I'm in these Facebook groups and you know, there's this, <laughs> there's this like, please help. We went camping for the first time and I don't know how to do the blank tank. And I'm like, 
Really? You didn't figure that out before you went? That seems like a big thing to know and understand, like how to do before you go. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, hanging out for a little while and getting used to it, it's probably pretty smart. I didn't do that. I had no RV experience before. How about you guys? Was there any RV experience before launching? Nope. Neither of us had stayed in one. Yeah, we kind of have a little bit of a, I guess you could say a horror story with purchasing our first RV. Um, We went out shopping and we purchased our first RV. We told them what we were doing and completely new to the whole thing. We've never stayed in an RV before. Um, And we purchased a trailer that was unfortunately too big for our truck for what we were doing. Um, We blew a tire within having it for 25 minutes off the lot and about three months after purchasing it, we went and bought the one that we're in now. And that just, we're internally grateful for the people that didn't look at us like we were stupid because we knew we were new and we knew we were learning. We knew we made a mistake, but also it was a lesson that we needed to learn to get us into our home that we're in now. But there's a lot to learn. There's a big learning curve there. No, there really is. And an unfortunate you know, I mean, I, I can't say this for all dealerships, but there are some that just, I mean, I remember leaving mine thinking, uh, I always tell the story about how, you know, there's like this solar input, you know, for my house batteries. There's no inverter. There's no way power is going to run in my rig. But the dealer, the way that they talked about it made me feel if I went out and got some panels and I plugged it into this solar, not only would I build to charge my house batteries that are basically just running my lights and my slides and, you know, keeping my refrigerator connected to propane that I would be able to watch TV and, you know, plug things in, which is absolutely not true, but they mm-hmm. completely made me feel that way. And again, I, you know, I think I, that was one thing I learned was don't like talk about your truck, pick the rig you want and then find the vehicle. At least that was my situation. I didn't own a truck yet. If you own a truck, then you really do have to find out, you know, what your truck can handle and then make sure you're buying in that kind of sphere. So, I mean, it is good. I mean, I'm glad you guys are talking about it, being transparent about it. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people, when those kind of mistakes happen, they try to hide it. Um, I think it's good to talk about it. Yeah, I think it is because a lot of people, like, we, we share our story and they're like, is this trailer too big for our truck? And, I mean, the biggest thing we learned is, yeah, you got your gross weight and everything like that, but if you're traveling locally, that's one thing. If you're traveling across the U S that's a huge difference. Um, so just being aware of it and, and asking questions of the dealers, but also those Facebook groups and not feeling like it's a dumb question because yeah, you're going to get some responses and stuff like that. We got plenty of those, but we'd rather know that we're safe and support those and being safe and being like, yeah, we made that mistake. Like can try to help you, but just, keep going. Like it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I think there are some questions that don't belong on Facebook. They're probably a better Google or, you know what I mean? And I feel like, like, I think I answered one recently where someone asked about a state park, which sites have sewer. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been to like a hundred parks. There's no way I have the parks memorized. There's no way anyone's going to be able to answer this question unless they were a host at one time, or they just happen to go every year. So I just quickly went online, Googled the campground, grabbed the site map and then attached it and said, you know, kind of here you go. No one's going to have which site have sewers memorized kind of a thing. And so there are questions that are are good to ask. And there are ones where probably Google or, you know, directly to your truck manufacturer. Uh, Don't get me started about people asking about gun laws, you know, in Facebook groups, because 
when a cop pulls you over, what Bob said on Facebook doesn't matter if you don't. Hold oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. So how do you guys feel now? You guys are feeling comfortable in the trailer, right trailer, right truck. It's good size for you guys. It looks like you guys even downsized a little from what I heard. It sounds like it was a little bit too big of a rig and you went to a little bit smaller of one. Yes. Yeah, so we had luckily uh, some family members that, you know, knew what we were doing and um, they said, you know, they saw the original trailer, how big it was. And they said, you're going out West in mountains and stuff like that. Cause I'm an artist and I wanted to kind of do paintings out there. And they said, I, I would not feel comfortable with you guys doing that. And we we're really grateful for them to speak up and say that, um, even though they knew, you know, what we all wanted to do. Um, so we got the smaller trailer and we're so glad we did. And it's, it's just right for us. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, sometimes more space would be great, but overall, it's everything we need. So um, I would I would say we're, yeah, we're very happy. So is it just but it was, it was nice. But that was just nice to, to have somebody there, a second opinion right. um, opposed from like the dealership. It was like they knew our best interest and it was um, they might not have agreed with us going on the road, but that's that's a different, you know, different uh, way of looking for different viewpoints but they they knew we were going to do it so they wanted us to be safe so that was that was great very cool is it just the two of you in the rig and our, and our two dogs nice we have two small golden doodles so very cool very cool well let's transition i think we've we've kind of nailed down what you guys are living in and how you guys are traveling i think you've mentioned work a little in a sense that it sounds like there's some carpentry there's some artistry and you know, let's get into that. Tell me what you're doing to make a living on the road. Yeah, so I have my own branding and marketing business where I have I have been location independent and virtual for the past 10 years. I've had my business. Um, so really to be able to get us on the road, it was focusing on growing my business to be able to get us to a space where we could go on the road, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, so like financial stability, at least yeah. for me to grow my career as an artist. So I've been doing carpentry for the last eight years, uh, building custom furniture, um, very artistic in its own way, but I want to pursue my, uh, art, art oil painting career. So, um, this was a way for us to do that kind of planned out, um, to have that, that time and space to do that. So, Oh, that makes sense. Marsha, what were your clients like when you were saying you're hitting the road or did you not tell them? Do they not know? Um, how was that process? Um, I guess I didn't really tell them because nothing changed for me and my business because I had always worked remotely and I had a lot of um, international clients and it was always let's meet on Zoom and always that digital connection with my clients. But the one thing that I did notice was there's a few times out east where we would just show up at a dead spot where we had no internet, we had no service, nothing. And those moments, um, I was like, sorry, guys, I needed to communicate that with them. And and now I'm getting really good about letting them know, hey, we're going to be traveling, just let to let you know, let's communicate beforehand, I'll let you know when we get there. And my clients are really like monthly clients. So for them to know that these times I'm traveling, they're completely open and I'm honest with them when I could be landing in a dead spot or when we're going to be boondocking and I'm just going to be off 
emails and stuff like that. So it was a really easy transition. Um, and they love it. They love seeing where I'm at and seeing where I'm working from on their work. So they enjoy it. Yeah. You really do find clients or even employers or, you know, coworkers that are really like one way or the other. They think you're on vacation, you're not going to get work done, or they think it's amazing and they want to know a lot about it. And it, mm-hmm. it's always been funny to me. I, I've heard people lose clients that they've never met face to face. They just tell them that they're, you know, spend a year or two traveling and immediately it's like, well, you're not going to be getting work done. And it's like, that's not the case. Are you guys just one internet provider? Yeah. How many internet providers do you guys have? Just the one or do you have multiple? We have two. Two. Smart. I mean, really smart because it's one of those things. There are some spots in the country where you'll be completely dead, even with two. There's just nothing you can do about it. Um, but it's really a struggle if you only have one. So that's really smart. Yeah. So what does the kind of oil painting business look like right now, Todd? How's that going? Is that hard to do on the road? I mean, I, I could assume the landscapes, if, especially if that's what you're doing, that's really yeah. easy for you in the sense that you're just in these amazing places. But selling mm-hmm. it, like, how's that working out for you? Um, that's starting to pick up. It's taking some time, that's for sure. Um, um, right now, for me, it was more dedicated time to create a bigger body of work. Um, and now we're starting to... Uh, push a little bit more marketing with that work. So um, kind of the first leg of it was more about just me building up my portfolio more or less and, and kind of improving the quality of my work. Um, and that's kind of what the financial, we kind of got ourselves in a place to, to know I'm not going to bring in that much income right off the bat. So, and now it's kind of, we're slowly marketing more and more to start building it. And Marsha's been a big, big push with that, or the big help, I guess you'd say. She's a marketer and designer, so it's been it's been great. So Yeah, it sounds like a good combo, for sure. And I think it yeah, is, right? I, I like hearing, you know, especially, you know, no matter the relationship status, married, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, whatever, there are these opportunities where it's like, hey, look, I can set this up, and we've already been doing it for a while, I can get going. Granted, it sounds like where you were before, if you're making furniture, that's pretty tough to do on the road. So there is a, you know, a big transition and to have this opportunity to say, okay, let me work on this and get to the point where you're actually doing something that you really want to do is awesome. So kudos to you both. Cause it'll probably come back. I just remember my parents where my, you know, my dad kind of put my mom through school and then later on my mom hit kind of the home run and then helped my dad go into where he wanted to do something that was a little bit more passion play than work. And it was just interesting to see that yin and yang come back. So, you know, kudos to you both for being able to do that for each other. Definitely. Yeah. And, and personally for us too, it was kind of a growth together. Um, just, uh, us being, we, we wanted to grow a little together and get closer. Um, we, it was, it was a very good way to do that too. Just kind of spend more time together and really communicate more. So that was a huge part of it. And that's helped both the businesses as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think anytime you move into under 200 square feet, you guys are going to be pretty close. Yep. <laughs> like, <Right? That's> a- <laughs> the backing up is a real good thing to work on your relationships for sure. With people, communication skills get so much better. It's really yep. uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a One good thing. thing we have fun about, what's that? You know, it's a good thing. I agree. Yeah. One thing with the backing up is interesting. Now having Marsha, she's been actually, pulling into a lot of like spots and stuff and we're switching spots and that helps a lot with understanding what we're trying to say to each other. And I, I see it in different perspective then. So it's really kind of cool to do 
those things once in a while. And she's getting really good at, you know, backing into campground spots or pulling her own things. So that's very cool. I, you know, it's one of those things, if you're listening, you're out there, there's a lot of people that when you pull into a campground, you know, sometimes you're on and you just pull in, you back in, boom, one shot, you're mm-hmm. done. Sometimes it takes a little and people want to help. And I, I appreciate the help. We have a 42 foot fifth wheel. So I get where people want to help. But like Nikki and I have like a pattern. We have a way of communicating. We know what's going on. So anytime you do want to help, it's more just to make sure someone doesn't hit something. It's not to give driving directions or backing up directions. It's just more to be a spotter, really. And it's funny that when people do, the times where I, especially early on where I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'd love to help. I got so much more confused because I just didn't know their language, you know, and it really is like a different language. So um, but I think it's great that you guys are both learning from both sides of it. That's going to help too. I have not got Nikki into the truck to back this thing up yet. I try when we're big open parking lots right now we're on a big beach where there's no one around. We could do it. She's just, she's not interested in it right now, which is fine. You know, uh, she's, yeah. she's a good spotter. <laughs> um, so have there been kind of, uh, some downsides at all in regards to working on the road? I think people, this is a big concern for them, you know, that, They've got to figure it all out before they hit the road, which, you know, it sounds like you guys had half of it figured out, which is good. But have there been things that have been, you know, whether you're losing clients or maybe things aren't going fast enough or, you know, you're not growing at the same level. And obviously you guys leave in and around COVID where a lot of people, you know, were changing their ways. They're thinking about marketing and, and that kind of stuff. Was there anything like that you just didn't expect and uh, you haven't recovered, currently recovering, or it didn't phase you guys at all? I don't, I don't really think so. Um, I mean, the internet was the biggest thing for me and my business, just a few dead spots that we hit and dealing with that. And we've learned to call campgrounds ahead of time and be like, Hey, we need a good spot with the internet and stuff like that. It's like the campground we're at right now, we had a move last week. Cause we we're here for a month. The campground or the, the site we were just at, the internet was amazing. This campsite there's like nothing. So within one campground, we were in one site where the internet was amazing. And here it's not that great. We're on our hotspots now. So just knowing that and being an advocate, if you need internet, well, then you need to not expect to have internet and, and be an advocate of call again, friends ahead of time and have the two services and maybe even three services. I'm contemplating getting another service because my business runs on connectivity and just knowing knowing your your necessities and being an advocate for them and making sure you got it i think that that would be the biggest thing that i know i've had to deal with in my business but also i know that it's it hasn't hindered my business at all just because i'm so open with my clients and and they knew right away um and like you said just even with the with us making the mistake of purchasing the trailer like just being open and honest with them and and that's how we are about everything is we just tell people what's going on and, and we find that to help us move through it, but it also helps navigate anything that needs to be navigated instead of trying to pull the rug under the whatever, however that saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally, totally makes sense. All right. Well, it yeah. sounds like work is going well. I mean, it is, it is one of those things where there were a lot of people that launched, you know, late 2019, early 2020, and then, know, we hit the situation and there's a lot of just different industries that got really kind of ravaged by marketing is one of them as business slowed up for people. It's one of the, usually it's one of the weirdest things that that's one of the first things to go when it's like, if sales and business is slow, that's the thing you got to really ramp up to kind of bring in. 
but it's, I'm glad to hear that things are going well. I'm glad to hear that people are, you know, finding your art, Todd, and buying it. That's amazing as well, too. And don't worry, we'll talk about that kind of the end in case you're interested in looking and seeing what Todd is doing or even hiring Marsha. Now, when you guys aren't traveling and working, what are you guys doing for fun? What's something you guys like to do? And I always like to ask, is it different than before you went RVing? Are you doing different things you just normally wouldn't do? Yeah, I think, uh, so hiking is one thing we always done. Uh, we, we love that with the dogs, especially. Um, but the other main thing, a big part of, uh, going on the road was to learn about farming, um, and, or just like small farming, um, not, not large scale industrial type farming, just, uh, kind of home, home-based homestead farming. Um, Marsha grew, grew up on a dairy farm, so she had some experience or quite a bit of experience. I had none, not at all. There's, uh, so for me to get on some farms and, you know, work with some of the animals and, and just watch and, and see and just get a feel for the farming life itself, um, was a big, uh, big thing for us. So we've been stopping, um, at a number of different farms. Um, sometimes we only spend the day there, um, or two days, but we've st- stayed for a week and a half at one farm in, North Carolina, which is really, really nice. Um, really got to see everything they do. And um, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot more to it than what it looks like. Um, for us, it's just learning about a little bit more how we can raise our own uh, animals and a little bit of our own food um, to, um, yeah. Yeah. When you get on the road, you find out immediately that the majority of farming now is corn and soybeans. And there's very few, I think it was something like there were 40,000 farms, even like when I was born in the seventies and now it's down to, I don't know, mm-hmm. 400 farms, you know, in the sense that there are these just huge, ridiculous companies that are, you know, now farming now, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Is that something you guys want to do down the road or is it just fun to, to be out there? Or do you see yourself having some sort of homestead with a farm at some point? Yeah, well, I guess like a little bit of the backstory in that is we're a high school sweetheart. So this year we'll be together for 15 years. And since really the beginning of our relationship, we always talked about kind of the simple living, farming and doing that. And just we got kind of focused on the careers and kind of stuck in the mold of what we were doing when we were living in our house that we just decided to go after the dream of farming and Todd really dedicating to his art career. And we just thought outside of the box of how could we do that other than just buying a piece of property and going into farming and not really knowing Todd a lot about it. So we, that's kind of how we came to RVing a little bit is, well, let's go and learn about farming and get Todd on the road, down the landscapes. So it's been really a dream of ours since the beginning and, just realizing just like the steps it took us to get here to the road. Well, what do we have to do to get to our farm? So we're really on the path towards a dream we've had for a long time. So it's exciting to be here and to be on the farms and learning. That is awesome. How are you guys finding the farms? So we're part of a few groups. Um, one of the main two are Homesteaders of America. It's an organization of homesteaders throughout the u.s and we just been really we've been we're a member of that group and we just been really connecting with those 
that are in the group and we kind of say, here's where we're traveling. Anyone nearby willing to have us on your property to help out anything we can help you with, anything you're willing to teach us. And the other one is Harvest Host. So Harvest Host has been great too. Um, we can stay there at night. Some of the farms want us to stay more nights, um, invite us to stay longer to help them out. And we're not the traditional Harvest Hoster. We, um, in uh, South South Carolina. South Carolina. Um, I had called a uh, harvest host and I'm like, can we stay this night? And they're like, oh yeah, no problem. Just pull by the light pole. We'll be out processing chickens. And I was like, well, hey, like, can we help you process the chickens? And they're like, what? Like, you want to help us process the chickens? And he, he was completely floored that we're from harvest host. So we wanted to process chickens. So that was Todd's first experience processing chickens was at this farm. And and we've just found that they're already open to RVers coming. So for us to come and kind of take that extra step of learning, a lot of them have been really open to us coming and, and learning from them. So that's the two main spots of how we're finding the farms nice, and yeah. just sharing our story. Yeah. I would say that my farm stays have been some of my favorite stays. And it's always funny too, when you ask to do something that they didn't think someone would want to do. And recently I was in Indiana and, I could tell that the grass needed to be mowed and he had one of those zero churns and I was like, Hey, I'll do that. And he's like, really? I'm like, I'm from Los Angeles. You know, our, our yards were like eight foot by 10 foot. This will be amazing. <laughs> this is like you know, a joy. I was like a little kid. Like he couldn't get me off that thing, but it was funny that in their mindset, this is work. And then it, to me, it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it probably would become work if I had to do it every week or every day for sure but I've never done it. It's going to be a ton of fun. To me, it was almost like NASCAR in a way. It was a ton of fun. So that's cool that you guys. <laughs> yeah, really things can go pretty fast too. You got to be careful on those. <laughs> Without a doubt. Like I, like it was funny. My first time I used a zero turn was in New York and I want to say the farmer, she was 85 easily. And I, her accuracy on this thing was unbelievable. So then I got on it thinking, oh, this thing is probably really easy. And <laughs> I was all over the place. She had that kind of look like, great, I have to mow it again. You know what I mean? To even out those lines. And I was like, how did she keep it so straight and hit every turn so amazing? It was really cool. It was, you know, I just never, I never even sat on a lawnmower, you know, I mean, ever. Like nobody had that kind of property in Los Angeles. Um. All right. Well, it sounds like you guys are finding fun things to do. I mean, I'm, I'm always interested in hearing if people change up, you know, like I didn't really do a lot of kayaking when I lived in California and I've done a bunch in the last three and a half years. Um, and so it's interesting to see you guys are doing these like farm stays and it's still part of what you guys originally talked about and you're doing it this way, which is really cool too. Now, one of the things I like to do kind of at the end of the show here is this high low that I do. And, uh, I, I think we, I think I could assume that the trailer situation was a low, but I'd like to find another one and it's always, it can't be COVID internet or flat tires, um, which I think we've mentioned even a little on this show, but what's been a low in the lifestyle that maybe you just didn't expect, you know, if you're looking at everyone's Instagram and it's all, you know, just amazing views and, you know, beaches and lakes and amazing farms. And then you get out there and there's something that maybe you just didn't expect. Has there been that kind of low for you guys? And you don't have to make one up. I'm just, if there is, let's talk about it. Yeah, I I don't know. I think for personally for us, the low is family. We're really close with our family, and we're you know always itching to get back there. But we, we knew that we knew there was such a big pull to get out on the road for our, for us and ourselves too. Um, so just how close we are with our family is our biggest. That's our. 
biggest low, I think, for us, um, just missing them. Um, um, but besides that, I don't. Um, yeah, so th- I would say it's more of like life than RV related, mm-hmm. and just knowing that this is this is temporary, like you said before, at least as temporary as we think it is right now. Um, I think there was one instance we were in uh, North Carolina and it was uh, 11 o'clock at night and there's a couple other RVers in the parking lot because it's uh, you know a place that allows RVs to stay overnight and all of a sudden these street racers come barreling into the parking lot um, line up in a big circle and just start doing burnouts for like an hour and we were like what is going on and then finally the cops come and they all scatter and we're like okay good that's that's over not even an hour later they all come back and keep doing burnouts and and we're like oh my gosh and then they start going around the trailer doing burnouts around the trailer a couple of them did i think just to kind of rattle us up and we were like you know what do we do can we we can't leave we're not going to go out the trailer and hook up and leave while they're doing this so it was it was a scary moment so and it was just something that um we never expected to have happen um I mean, we didn't really think we were in any type of danger, but you, you never know in certain instances. So um, it was just, yeah, I think it was a scary moment. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. You yeah. know, it's, it sounds like it. And the hard part about that, that I don't think people, there are people listening and even, you know, myself, I think I've talked about on the show that I'm a fairly big guy, you know, big beard covered in tattoos, you know, going outside, you know, maybe that would get them to leave. Maybe it might egg them on even more. And then it's my home. You know what I mean? Like I can't take the risk of, you know, going to sleep an hour later and then they come back. So it really does put you, and I've had some of those situations. They're very few, but they do happen. And it's just a different feeling than when you lived in a bricks and sticks and you went outside to confront or deal with something when you're in, you know, an area you don't know and you're in your trailer and it it doesn't, you know, you can't always hook up and leave and you know, five minutes, it takes a little bit of time to get up and going. So I totally get it. I think that's a good transparent one too, that uh, there are some weird things that happen, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, it was just loud noise, kids being kids and uh, yep. you guys are safe. And and I always like kind of say that the confrontation probably could have caused a problem. So it's kind of good that you guys didn't go out and do anything, but let's talk right. about mm-hmm. the high. That's why I always like to end on the high. Let's talk about a high. Let's talk about that. I can't believe this is our moment. What has that been like for you guys in this lifestyle? I guess um, for me, it's just our growth um, and just seeing how far we've come. I mean, 2019 for us was a very, very rough year in life and in our marriage and in health and stuff like that. And just really seeing how once we decided to make the change, how much we were supported and and how far we've come and seeing that and just seeing Todd's transformation too, like from his transformation of leaving his job to painting and seeing how confident he is when he's out painting and, watching him come home and be like, I sold the painting on the side of the road. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's amazing just seeing him and supporting him and what it's, it's a blessing to us and our marriage and our individual growth. And, and that definitely is a high for me. That's very cool. And I, and I do want to go back to what you first started out with. And then we went to the, the kind of the, the speed racers, the guys that are watching fast and furious too much. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. The missing the family 
it's really a bar that a lot of people can't get over. And I feel really bad for that because there is such an amazing opportunity. I mean, we are a, a, you know, especially in the United States, there's this thing about like, you know, everyone goes off to college, but then you always are supposed to come back. And then, you know, you want to stay within, you know, 18 blocks of your family. And there's this kind of thing. And there's this poll um, that a lot of people just don't do. And I was stoked when my oldest son moved to New York, we were living in California and, you know, my two, two of the other four kind of want to get out of California. I'm stoked for them that they want to, because then we'll always have the opportunity to come back together, but don't let family stop you from going out and doing this, whether it's temporary or forever. Cause you guys might be on the road and you guys might find an area that absolutely speaks to you in a way that Wisconsin doesn't. And mm-hmm. there's always this opportunity to, you know, find time for family. But I just, I thought it was great that you guys mentioned it because it is, it's a huge stumbling block for people. Where they're just like, I can't take my kids away from my parents, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And they, they don't understand the difference between quality and quantity. And they're just looking at it as a quantity standpoint and not really necessarily a quality standpoint. Yeah, that's cool. We have Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. But what if we separated that from doing a road trip, you know, once a year together for two weeks kind of a thing. So I just want to go back to you guys mentioning that. I thought that was a good, another kind of transparent moment that I just didn't want to kind of gloss over. So I appreciate you guys bringing it up. What I do like to end with before I let you guys go is where can people find you? So um, if you guys are personally documented, great. But if you want to talk about the businesses where people can find you, you can do that too. And remember, folks, I will link all this down in the show notes so you don't have to try to write it down. You can just go there and click on any of the links that they share right now. So feel free to let people know where they can find you. So can I say one thing just to step back one second? Please, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think for for us realizing that the life we were living wasn't working, we needed to remove ourselves from it. So how you were saying that families shouldn't be afraid to take their kids away or to take themselves away from family. It also, it's a state change. So we just had this conversation yesterday about how a little bit of the life that we were, we were just kind of stuck in it and we needed to remove ourselves to, to learn all the lessons that we have learned on the road. Yeah. We could have learned them, back home and in the life that we were living, but we probably wouldn't have learned them as quickly and as dramatically as we did choosing to go on the road. And I think for us, we're realizing how big of an impact what we're doing actually has on our family. And for example, like my grandpa, he was a dairy farmer and growing up, it was really rigid dairy and that way of farming. And when we first told him what we were doing, he did not agree with it. He wasn't happy what we were doing. And he let his piece be told about that. And now he is getting pigs. He's getting meat rabbits, got chickens. He told me yesterday, he wants me to be in charge of maple syrup this fall. And, and seeing him kind of regrow his farming roots has been a blessing. And, and just even in our faith, being an inspiration for like our family's faith. And, and it's not always about leaving because what can be done can actually be such an inspiration for family and, and being able to see that, like, that's another high, I guess I could say of seeing how, what we're doing going after our dreams is really showing that a lot to family that it is possible and it's hard, but them seeing our happiness at the end of the road is is pretty amazing to see. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about. Yeah. So you can. Oh, oh go, ahead. go on. No, sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, you can find my uh, artwork at shovelfineart.com. Um, last name shovelfineart.com. And then uh, Instagram is at shovelfineart. And then you can find us at tadamarsha.com and then tadamarshashabal on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I will link all that down below. I thank you both for coming on the show and hanging out with me and, and sharing your story. And uh, it was good to meet you both. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for having you, us. Well, another fun episode. Big thank you to Todd and Marsha for coming on the show and sharing their story. And like always, if you want more information about them or want to connect with them, you can click on the links in the show notes. And also just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, Make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag rootless living, we're going to share it as well. And like always, if you think you might know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.